We'll read from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, if you want to read with me. Hebrews 4, 11 through 13. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him of whom we must give account. so good to see each and every one of you here today. Especially if you're visiting, we would like to ask that you will stay around a few moments after our services so that we might get to know you better. And thank you for coming our way. And thank you, members, for being here and worshiping with us today. Your presence is encouraging. Thank you so much. I hope that you've had the opportunity to pick up a bulletin. A lot of things going on in there. I also want to encourage you to be praying this week. Praying for those people on our prayer list. There are a lot of people in need of help. There are a lot of people uh, waiting test results and going to tests and things like that. And so I want to encourage you to be praying for all those individuals on our prayer list in addition to some others that you may uh, be aware of. I did receive a text from uh, Miss Sharon. Uh, this morning, uh, BJ and Sharon, and said BJ was, uh, uh, they got up and got dressed, but then he wasn't feeling well and he had to go back to bed, and he's still not feeling where, well enough to get up and get dressed and be here. So remember uh, BJ and Sharon, if you will, in addition to those on our prayer list. Uh, don't forget about tonight. I want to encourage each and every one of you to be back tonight. You will be encouraged, uh, not only by our young people that will be involved in our service, but by the other young people that will be here. Uh, for our evening worship. We'll also have the opportunity to enjoy a meal together. So if, if you can help with that, make sure Dustin and others know and, uh, and that you're here and ready for that. But I want to encourage you to be here. It will be tremendous and you will uh, be encouraged by being here. I also want to remind you about the uh, Apologetics Press Benefit Dinner. It will be this Thursday evening up at Henderson Church of Christ at 6 p.m. Kyle Butt will be the speaker. Kyle always does an excellent job, and he will also be here with us uh, coming up uh, at the end of October. Uh, so if you can go to that and would like to uh, be a part of that, sign the list in the foyer. Apologetics Press writes, writes a lot of articles, particularly pertaining to uh, creation and evolution and the existence of God. So um, I would encourage you to be able to go uh, to hear and see the things that they do. Uh the books will be on display there of all the things that they have. They have a website, but you will be encouraged if you would like to go and be a part of that. But sign up on that list. I know you're aware of this, but I, I, I want to remind you that we have a good church here. We're not perfect. As we know, we're not perfect. But we have a good church here. And if you're looking for a church home, I want to encourage you to look no further. Uh, you will find imperfect people trying to, seeking to serve a perfect God and trying to follow Him as faithfully as possible. And we need each other. And we need to encourage one another. I was so, so thrilled 
by the number of people that we had gathered last Sunday afternoon for a community service and outreach project plans. Forty-six people gathered that said, I'm interested in community service. I'm interested in community outreach. I know there were some that were not able to be there. And so that number could rise. But here's what I want to remind you of. That there will come out things, there will be sign-up lists that will be announced of ways that we can reach out and we can serve. There are some big things uh, in the plans uh, coming out of that meeting. There are also some smaller things. And, and those smaller things are just as important. There are some that have already taken uh, certain things by the reins and begin to run with them. They may ask you for help. Uh, but if not, look for those opportunities. There are some who have just taken things individually and said, you know what, I'll do that. And I want to commend you for taking that on and saying, you know what, here's a need, let's serve. And so be listening uh, for sign-up lists that are, that are put out and talked about out in the foyer. And let me say something about our sign-up list. Sometimes it can get confusing. There are a lot of sign-up lists out there, so make sure you pay attention to which sign-up lists that you're looking for. But there will be some coming in the next few months about service projects and community outreach. A great opportunity that we have laid before for us. And these are some things that are in the hearts and the minds of our people and they are passionate about them. And so I want to encourage you to get on board with those things so that we can not just come together and worship our Almighty God, which we're able to do this morning, not so we can just come together and study God's Word and be encouraged with one another, but so that we can go out and we can take that message to our community. They are in dire need just like we are, and we want to share that message with Him. Isn't it awesome to have the opportunity to come together on the first day of the week and worship our God? Amen? Amen. A lot of different things going on in our, in our world. Some good things and some not so good things. And maybe there's a lot of things that you have going on in your life. Maybe you have some difficulties. Maybe you have some struggles. Maybe things are going well, but here's what I want you to know. We have the opportunity to come together, and this is not about the sermon. This is not about the song service. This is not about who's reading Scripture or who's leading prayer or who's in charge. This is about we have the opportunity to worship Almighty God and say, it's all about You, Lord, today and every day. Thank You for being here today. There was an atheistic college professor who visited the Fiji Islands and he happened up on an older, um, elderly chief. And he critically remarked to that chief, he says, listen, you're a good leader, but it's a pity that you've been taken in by those missionaries. I mean, no one believes the Bible anymore in our culture. They know better. I'm just sorry that you were foolish enough to believe them. The older chief lifted up his eyes and he pointed. He said, you see that great rock over there? Yes, sir. He said, that's the rock which we would take our victims and we would smash their heads against that rock. And then we would roast their bodies in the furnace beside the rock. And he said, if it were not for those missionaries and the Word of God, you would not be leaving this island alive. So you, sir, you give thanks to the Lord. Otherwise, 
we would already be feasting on you. The Word of God is powerful. It is powerful. And in our text today, it's one of the, the strongest biblical texts that gives us and talks about the power of the Word of God. You see, the Hebrew writer, he was reminding these people that uh, to avoid cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity. They were being affected by all the things that were going on in their area and in their community. All the things that were happening, the persecution that was taking place. Therefore, a lot of them were being tempted to want to go back to another life, a more comfortable life. Cultural Christianity. The Hebrew writer uses Psalm 95 to remind these Hebrew readers about Israel, about their past, of back when they were in the wilderness. And how they disobeyed God. You see, though in the wilderness they, they, they came through that, they escaped Egypt by putting the blood over the, the doorposts and the lentils. They, parted, they were able to walk through the Red Sea on dry ground. They enjoyed the provisions of God with water and manna in the wilderness. And yet they still did not trust God. They still were disobedient to God. And the Hebrew writer reminds them, of that. In verse 11, he says, Let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. You see, he goes through talking about this rest and see for, uh, for the children of Israel, the Hebrew people, the Hebrew writer is talking about their, their past. And he said, For them, their rest was in Canaan. But for us in Christ, our rest is in heaven through Jesus Christ. And he says, remember how there were some of them because of their disobedience, they were not able to enter that rest. And likewise, if you follow the same example, you too will be exempt or or you will be held from that rest. But you be diligent. You be diligent to enter that rest and not follow their example of disobedience. And in verse number 12, the Bible gives us the example of God's Word. He says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divisions of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Hebrew writer says, listen, God's Word, it is living. It is alive. It's a letter from God and it is not a dead letter. It is the Word from the living God and it is not a dead Word. It is alive. The word there means actively living. In other words, no matter what age a person is in, time period, uh, there is compelling relevance of the Word of God to life. Now how can that be? No other book is that way except God's Word. 
If you live to be a uh, hundred years old, or if you live a hundred years from now, guess what? God's Word will be just as relevant then as it is today. And it's just as relevant today as it was a hundred years ago or prior to that. God's Word is alive. It is not dead. Martel Pace said this, The Word can inform the reader where he is ailing spiritually and provide the real cure for his soul's illnesses. God's message is not for a dead past. It is alive for us today. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 35, the Bible says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. God's Word is alive. It's not a dead old book that just some good old men wrote. It is the Word of God from God who is alive and His Word is alive as well. One person said this about the Word of God. Let it go through you once. Listen to him. Let it go through you once. Then you will tell a different story. The Word of God is living and folks, if we will open up to it, if a person will open up to it, it will change our lives. That's the kind of word it is. That's the kind of book it is. From a living God and it is alive. The Hebrew writer also says, not only is, a, is the Word of God living, but it's powerful. Your version may say something like, active that's what the word means. It, it means active. It literally means at work. We get our word energy or energetic from it. God's word is at work. Charles Swindoll says, News articles may inform us. Novels may inspire us. Poetry may enrapture us, but the living, powerful, active Word of God can transform us. You know, there are a lot of self-help books out there. You go to Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, any other bookstore, and guess what? You can find a lot of self-help books to help you to improve. And, and, and they work to an extent. But nothing works like the living, powerful, active Word of God. The late Marshall Keeble used to say, if you don't want to be a Christian, it'll make you a better person. If you don't want to be a Christian, it'll make you a better father. If you don't want to be a Christian, it'll make you a better wife. If you don't want to be a Christian, it'll make you a better parent. If you don't want to be a Christian, God's Word, because it's living and powerful, will make you better. It's that kind of Word. It touches every need and every aspect of our lives. Hebrew, or rather Isaiah 55 and verse 11, the Bible says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. You see, it's from God. It's living. It's powerful. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God's word will accomplish what it was meant to accomplish. What he intended for it to do. It's that kind of word. It's alive. It's at work. And it's powerful. Unlike any other book, the Bible is living and powerful. Notice also that the Hebrew writer says, 
God's Word is living, it is powerful, it is active, and it's piercing. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, and to joints and marrow. In the Roman world, there were two kinds of swords. There was that big sword that was heavy, and, 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 and it was destructive. And then there was the little smaller sword that was like a dagger. It was lightweight, but it was double-edged and deadly. Because not only would it cut going in, it would cut coming out. And the Hebrew writer, knowing this, says God's Word is that way. It will pierce to our very core. One person said, speaking of piercing, that the Word of God has within itself the power to transform lives and listen to it, alter the psychological and spiritual makeup. That's the power of God's Word. It has that power to penetrate and pierce our very soul, the depths of who we are. It can pierce the heart and bring about conviction. It's able to reach the innermost part of man. It's similar to back in the book of Acts chapter 2 when those people who had likely also been there when Jesus was put on trial yelling crucify Him. Here on the day of Pentecost, Peter and these other apostles, they begin to speak in every man's language because of the power of God, which is living, by the way, and active through the Holy Spirit. They're able to speak in everyone's language. And they were able to hear. And Peter speaks to them about the very Jesus that they had crucified. And the Bible says when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. In response to the preaching of God's Word, they were cut to the heart. That's how powerful it is. That's how active it is. When we read it, when we study it, when we hear it, God's Word can cut to our very soul, to our very being. One cannot read the Word of God without being cut to the conscience. The purpose of this cutting was to bring healing, not to leave us wounded. Sin is like a cancer. And go, going untreated, it can be deadly. And God's Word can pierce to our very soul and reveal to us the sin that is active in us that needs to be dealt with. J.B. Lightfoot said this, It heals most completely where it wounds most deeply. And it gives life there only where first it has killed. You see, that's God's purpose, or one of God's purposes in His Word. When we read that Word, there may be some painful things about it. But the purpose is not to hurt. The purpose is to heal the wounds that sin brings into our life. I was thinking in, in studying about this passage of Scripture, about how dangerous the Word of God is. It's a dangerous book. For see, we can go about our lives in our comfortableness of our great United States of America. 
And if we never look at the Word of God and contemplate our lives in reflection to the Word of God, then we'll be comfortable. But when we begin looking at that Word, it's dangerous because it will challenge us and it can change us if we will let it. It will pierce us to our very core and change who we are. It's that powerful. It's that active. It's that piercing. And then the Hebrew writer says finally, the Word of God is discerning. Discerning means to judge. Uh, It has with it the idea of that being uh, of a critic. God's Word can cut down to our very core. And did you hear what the Bible says? Verse number 12 is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's Word can judge our thoughts and our intentions because it's from the living God and the Word is living. God can know our thoughts and our intentions. See, that's sobering, isn't it? We can fool a lot of people, but we cannot fool God and we cannot deny His Word. It is discerning. And you see, there's no escape because God sees everything. Isn't it how that most of the time when we go through difficulties, when we have worries, when we have things going on, we want God there with us. But many times, oftentimes, when it comes to dealing with the sin in our life, we want God to turn the other cheek. But that's not the case. There's no escape. There's no hiding because God sees everything. Verse 13 says that before God, everything is laid naked and bare. It's open. It's open. God knows all. Adam and Eve, they tried to hide from God, didn't they? They knew they had sinned and they tried to hide from God and they failed. They could not do it. And neither can we. You see, in the ancient world, there were two, there are two images or two ideas of being laid open or being made open or being laid bare. The first one is of uh, a wrestler who has his opponent by the neck and just before he takes that final blow, he's looking eye to eye with his opponent. The other is that of a criminal on trial. And they would place a dagger at the chin, the point at the chin of the prisoner. And they would secure it to the prisoner so that in shame he could not bow his head. If he did, the dagger would go through his chin. And so because of that, he was forced to face the court. Either way, either illustration that is used, they both carry a grave face-to-face situation. And that's the way it is when we look and examine our lives in relation to the Word of God. We come face-to-face with the Creator 
of the world. We come face to face with the King of kings and realize I am nothing without You, Lord. And it can change our very being. You see, there also are no excuses because God sees everything. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each may get, receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Whether good or bad. Samuel Chadwick wrote this, I have guided my life by the Bible for more than 60 years, and I tell you there is no book like it. It is a miracle of literature, a perennial spring of wisdom, a wonder of surprises, a revelation of mystery, an infallible guide of conduct, and an unspeakable source of comfort. Pay no attention to the people who discredit it, for I tell you that they speak without knowledge. It is the Word of God itself. Study it according to its own direction. Live by its principles. Believe in its message. Follow its precepts. No man is uneducated who knows the Bible. And no one is wise who is ignorant of its teachings. You see, the Word of God, yes, brings comfort. The Word of God, yes, brings peace. But the Word of God will also reveal to us the things that maybe we need to work on. It will reveal to us maybe the sin that we are struggling with in our life and change us so that we return to God. Change us so we surrender our life to Him. So with this powerful Word of God, what should we do with it? First of all, we need to obey it. James chapter 1, verses 22 and following, the Bible says, But be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, that's the Word of God. That's the living, powerful, active, piercing, discerning Word of God. And continues in it. And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. You remember back in the, book, the Old Testament book of 2 Kings chapter 5? When Naaman had leprosy, Naaman, this great leader, this great person, he, but he had leprosy, and he inquired about what he could do, and he was told, go down to Jerusalem, there's a man of God there, and he will tell you what you need to do. So with the letter in hand to the king of Jerusalem, he goes down there, and Elijah has, uh, has word, of that, Elisha has word of that. And Elisha says, listen, let him come down so that he may know that a prophet of God is in Israel. But here's the interesting thing. Naaman gets there and notice what happens. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. Simple. But Naaman, the Bible says, Naaman became furious. And went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, 
He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord as God and wave His hand over the place where I have leprosy and the leprosy be healed. Are not Abna and uh, Farpar, the rivers in Damascus, better than the rivers of Israel? Could I not then uh, go and dip in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. And then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have not done it? How then are you getting upset when he says, Go and wash and be clean? And the Bible says in verse 14, So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. What do we do with this book that we call the Word of God? What do we do with it? We listen to it and we obey it. And folks, that will make all the difference in the world. What's the next thing that we should do? We should read it. Well, that seems obvious. That seems simple and obvious. But yet, here we are in a time, in an age where we have more access to more information than ever before. In fact, we have access to the Word of God more than any other generation or any other time period in history. And yet it seems we are more disconnected from God's Word than ever. Than ever. You know, if you need a, if you need a guide to help you, just Google Bible reading plans. There are tons of them out there online. If, if you want some apps that will help you in reading and studying the Bible, some of my favorites are YouVersion. YouVersion is a very good app that has daily Bible reading plans, devotionals, uh, study things. Um, Bible Gateway is another one that you can add to and build your own library. It gives you the Greek meanings of certain words. Uh, Blue Letter Bible is another one that I like to use uh, that helps in Bible study. So these, they're, they're, we have access to all kinds of information. It's out there. But we have to read it. And then finally, we must meditate on God's Word. And not only is it important to read it, it's important to meditate, to dwell on and thinking about what God's Word says and apply it to my life. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, when Joshua is commending or commissioning, God is commissioning Joshua, God says this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you shall observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And notice he's not talking about the success and the prosperity of the world. He's talking about spiritual, godly prosperity, spiritual, godly success in the kingdom of God, not in the eyes of the world. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. You know this passage of Scripture. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in Him, If you abide in My Word, you are My disciples. I want people to know that we are God's people. Abide in His Word, and you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. The psalmist writes in Psalm 119, 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path.
God's Word. It's alive. It's not dead. It's not just any old book that you can find on the shelf. It's a book that is powerful because it's alive, it's active. It can pierce the very depths of our souls. It can judge the sin in our life and reveal to us the things that we need to change. It is so powerful that when we hear it, when we read it, when we study it, it has the power to change who we are. It has the power to affect our attitude. It has the power to affect our thoughts and our intentions. It has the power to change us. Today, have you given your life to Jesus? Not because it's a good thing for us to say at the end of a service, but because you have looked at God's Word and it's convinced you you need to give your life to Jesus. I read a story about a fellow who was making fun of a preacher. This guy was ruthless. He was making fun of the preacher and he made fun of him often around many people. And one day, he had a crowd and he stood up and he started, uh, he started imitating the preacher. He said all the things the preacher says, he preached exactly like he said, exactly the words. And then as he was quoting some of those preacher's words of the Word of God, he had to stop. Because the Word of God began to convict him. You see, it's that powerful. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. And the only way that you can be in tomorrow in heaven is through Jesus Christ. If you've not done so, will you do so? Maybe you're here today. And as we talked about, this is a good church. This is a church that loves each other. We're not standing here ready to condemn We're standing with open arms, ready to pray with you and pray for you. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, come forward and let us assist you any way we can as together we stand and sing.